before, and my dad. Thanks for coming. Um, but it's special for that, but it wouldn't be special for me in the same way if I didn't have my boys. So I thought, what an exciting opportunity to be able to sing for my boys how much they mean to me as a mum. So we've got a little video that's going to play while we sing. Thanks. You're the getaway car You're the line in the sand When I go too far You're the swimming pool On a summer's day You're the perfect thing to say And you play it coy But it's kind of cute When you smile at me You know exactly what you do Baby, don't pretend You don't know it's true Cause I can see it when I look at you And in this crazy life And through these crazy times It's you, it's you You make me sing your every line Your every word Your everything You're a carousel You're a wishing well my life when you ring my bell you're a mystery you're from outer space you're every minute of my every day and i can't believe all oh, that you're my man and i get to kiss you baby just because i can whatever comes away oh we'll see it through because babe that's what our love can do and in this Jordan on the 
guitar with that ripping solo and Andy and John. Thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day. I love that song. I was singing along and think, oh, stop singing. It's making it not good for me. You could hear that, could you, Amy? Oh, I was into it. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to release the kids to Kids Church. Let's give them a hand as they go. Who got breakfast in bed this morning? Awesome. I didn't. I'm not putting my hand up. I was trying to see people. Promise that that didn't happen for me. So we have got uh, three very special preachers uh, coming to bring the word this morning and uh, a perspective around Mother's Day. But what I would encourage you to do this morning is to be what I like to call the 19th man. You know, for people that don't normally stand up here on this stage, it's quite a... um, intimidating thing. So it's always helpful when you know uh, that half the church leave for kids church and that the other half that remain get behind the preacher. Amen. 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 So let's see lots of smiles. And we've got our first preacher this morning is uh, Mother Hendry, Lynn Hendry. Let's give her a hand as she comes. And then she'll pass straight on to Jackie Valor and then it will be Nathan to close out our meeting. Man, I wish I could talk like Charles. But when I was asked to speak today on my journey about being a mother, I started to reflect on my mum and how her mothering has influenced me as a mother. So I just want to just take the first little bit just to share a bit about my mum. I was one of four girls and my dad died of polio at the age of 32, leaving my mum to raise us four girls on her own. Dad's building business collapsed the year before he passed away, so that left mum to really struggle financially. She was advised to give us girls up because she didn't think that there was any way that she could financially keep us, but mum was determined to do whatever she could to, to keep us together and to also keep the family home that my dad had built. So she took in sewing, she also made all our own clothes and she took in borders which meant that all five of us had to share one bedroom while the other bedrooms were occupied by boarders. And my mum could have given up when my dad died. Life just must have seemed so hard. She was only 31. She had four kids to raise on her own and virtually no money. But she, she worked on hard. She worked hard to keep us all together and to build a family home. And she created a, created a home that was warm and loving and was welcoming. My mum had, she valued close relationships with families and friends. And even the borders that mum took in, they weren't just borders to mum, they became family. My mum was sacrificial, caring and nurturing. And my mum modelled to me what it is to be a mum. And now I'm a mum of four adult children. And I think if you can put that slide up. Nope, that's not my family. <laughs> anyway, it, it may came up. And I realised while, prepa- while preparing this at how much mum has influenced me as, while I raised my children as a mother. And that closeness really became close. It was important for me to build a, a family that was close and I think we've done that. Our kids all... Are really close. They they love sharing, spending time together, and once they all married and 
uh, started to leave home, I didn't want them to lose that. I wanted uh, them to remain close and sometimes when kids get married they do um, sometimes drift away a little bit. So we made family night dinner and those nights became, that was once every second, every second Wednesday night and those dinners became a priority for all our kids. Even Alex who lived with us for five years while his family was living in the States, he never missed a family night dinner. And those nights were full of fun, full of food, full of talking and full of laughing. And even, we, it wasn't only on those nights we got together, we added in a few extra. Whenever there was something to celebrate, we had a dinner. We had big brekkies, a barbecue brekkies when it was Australia Day. And even when uh, the, the block final was on tally, we had got together and uh, celebrated that together. But uh, um, another thing that uh, changed my... Um, or really um, changed my influence of how I raised my children was, um, was my relationship with God. It wasn't until we were married and we had our first child that um, we made a real commitment to, uh, to follow God. And, uh, and that really just not only changed our lives, but uh, it also influenced me as a mother. And there was many times when I cried out to God to give me me peace and calmness when there were situations that were just out of my control. Our oldest son, Cam, had three incidents that were life-threatening in hospital and when he was three months, eight years and 19. And none of those were related. But um, at those times, you know, I really cried out to God to just give me peace at those times and, and miraculously God pulled him through. Um, at that time, so I don't know how anyone really goes through those sort of things without God in their life. And when our kids were young, Liz Herrick gave me a list of prayers, simple prayers that were just titled to pray to, for your children. There's simple one-line prayers like that they would know Christ early in life, that they will have a hatred for sin, that they will be hedged in so they cannot find their way to wrong people or places. There was 12 of them in the all and these prayers became my every morning prayer through my kids' childhood and then on into uh, teenage years. And I've just photocopied those prayers and, and passed them on now to our daughter Lauren and our daughter in Lisa, in Lisa so that they can now pray for their children. And I've loved every phase of bringing a mother through toddler years right through to adult years and even teenage years. Even though there were challenges at times, I just loved them. And now being a mother, a grandmother, I just love that. I've got two beautiful grandchildren and there's a slide to go up with those. There they are. They're just gorgeous and they just melt my heart. That's Noah and Mackenzie. And even though we're lucky enough to see them a lot, I still get excited when we have to babysit them and we can just have them on our own for a while. But it just uh, fills my heart with joy when I see my daughter, now mother, her son, and my son, father, his uh, daughter. But I feel truly blessed to be a mum. But what my mum taught me was that you don't have to be a mother to mother. When I was a teenager, my mum fostered two boys 
and that she mothered them and cared for them as though she was their mother. And those boys are still part of our family today. And then when we all um, married and left home, Mum took in overseas students and she became like a mother to them. And after Mum passed away, one of those students um, sent a letter to us. And I just want to finish today is, is um, just reading that uh, a little bit of that letter to you. And what he wrote was, And as a Chinese overseas student, I was very upset when I arrived in Australia. At first I worried not only couldn't I speak English well, but also I didn't know where I was to live and how the Australian people are. However, I found a new family in Australia. And during the time I've been living with a family, I feel very happy. Because Leslie is very thoughtful and hospitable. She cooks food, washes clothes, goes shopping for us. And I don't need to do anything. She is a Christian. She prefers contributing instead of receiving. From her, I have seen the real Christianity. In a family, the most important person is the mother. And Leslie is really like my own mother. And I will never forget her. So on this Mother's Day, I, I honour my mother because without her love and her sacrifice, my life and even the life of my children could have been very different. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers that are here today and to all you mothers-to-be. I'm sure there are a few of you here that probably haven't even admitted it yet. Um, I'm just putting it out there. Well, this is quite nervy. Uh, So it's an honour to be here today and to speak to you about what it is to me uh, to be a mother. As many of you know, I'm going to use my notes. Um, (laughs) I, along with my husband, Norman, have two little boys, uh, Xavier, who is five, and Josiah, who is one. Uh, they are yep, that's him. They are our pride and joy. When I say pride and joy, I literally mean it. Every time I look into my children's eyes, uh, they sort of melt me. I get weak at the knees, and uh, just him standing there is enough right now. <laughs> now, before I had Xavier, uh, many of you know that I actually used to be a primary school teacher. So I'm still a primary school teacher, just not educating. Uh, And that allowed me to influence the most influential but impressionable little children in the world. And they were the five and six-year-olds. I had preps. Um, The one thing that stands out for me is I cared for them. I respected them. I protected them as best as I could. I I nurtured them and I always put their needs, both learning and emotional, first. I think about them away from school. I do everything within my abilities to better them as a teacher I'd planned for their futures, I trusted them, I empowered them, I made school fun for them and most importantly, I loved them. They in return loved me and that was evident and it still is up until today because those five and six-year-olds that I then taught are still contacting me to this day and calling me Mrs. Vella. You see, before having children of my own, I had a mother's heart. And that was passed down through my grandmother and then passed, whoa, look at this, and then passed on from my grandmother. Now I'm talking about the shakes in the hand. That was passed on from my grandmother to my mother and then to me. I always wanted to have children and that was sort of an ultimatum that I gave my husband when I first met him was that I'm not doing this for fun. I'm doing this because I want a family. Um, I'm not going to stand up here today and tell you that I am a perfect mother and that everything I do is on point. 
In fact, there are times, and, and there's probably more than enough times, that I've questioned myself as a mother. I've questioned whether or not I'm raising my boys the best way that I can, and if I can be their best influence as a female within our house. I question if I'm teaching them the best way to be a person that can influence other people, but in a positive way, uh, to be a person that they look up to. You know, there are a number of women here today in our church that I've personally approached and spoken to about parenting only last week or two weeks ago. I spoke to Jan Graham and I was discussing whether or not my approach with disciplining Xavier was appropriate or not. not. So there are many of you here today that may sort of doubt yourselves as a mother or a grandmother, but if I've come to you, I think you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, As you know, my little boy Xavier, he's a caring, inquisitive and intelligent little boy and that's just my opinion. Only yesterday we were at a birthday party and there was a little boy sitting on his own crying and he said, I've got no friends. Now Xavier saw this and before I could even say anything to him, he walked over and said to this little boy, I'll take care of you, you can play with me. Now he's a boy from his class but they don't quite sort of hang out at school. So that just really stamped it to Norman and I that our son is a nurturer and he's a carer and he wants to help people. He's a people pleaser. You know, hang on a second. I've lost my way. Damn it. I know God's stirring something in Xavier's life right now. You know, we speak about children who they look up to. Now, at their age, they generally have a celebrity, a sports star, or somebody of their sort of age, their stature. My son, week in, week out, you'll see him up the front, hovering around Pastor Nick. And sure enough, wherever Nick is, Nick, Xavier follows. That's my point exactly. He was sitting in between... Pastor Nick Reski and Pastor Nicholas Tsarkis. And at the end of that service, he said to me, Mummy, there's something about the Nicholases. And I said to him, just leave it there. You see, God sees the innocence of our children and their tender hearts and minds. I honestly believe that God places certain people in our lives and in the lives of our children. You know, he made them for a purpose on purpose. Having my sons has changed me and it's matured me. Many people would get the impression that I'm a strong and confident young woman. Young woman. And I am. However, after having these babies, every time I look at them or I hear their voices, they make me buckle at my knee. You know, I could have had a horrible day or a not-so-good day and a simple I love you, mummy, is enough. I love loving them. The word love in English can only be described as it is, love. Now, as you all know, I'm, I'm from Lebanese heritage and I've got Arabic background. And when we say I love you in Arabic, we say ana bahibbek. But that's just one way of saying I love you. There are multiple ways to express love in the Arabic language and I'm just going to give you a couple. So, and my boys have heard every single one of these probably too many times. One of them is inta habibi, which means you are my love. Habib albi. That is my favourite saying because it says, or it means you are the love of my heart. Yahayati, which means my life. Now, my mum and dad still call me Yahayati. As a 31-year-old woman, they still tell me Yahayati, which means, like I said, my life. Uh, Ya'amar means my moon, which actually also means or translates to you are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, Yarohi, which is my soul, and the one that you've all heard me say, Habibi, my love. As their mother, I've learnt that when they hurt, I hurt. When they are happy, I'm happy. When they're scared, I'm just as scared. When they're sad, I'm sad and it breaks my heart. 
When they are worried, I worry. When they laugh, I laugh. When they're excited, I get excited with them. When they say I love you, I say it right back. Most importantly, and I don't know if some of you have seen this today, but when a two-year-old hands you a phone, but it's a remote control, and he tells you to answer it, you better answer it. (laughs) You see, being a mother has changed my priorities in my life too. Prior to having children, uh, I was dedicated to my basketball career. I trained four to five times a week, and I would travel all over the country and play into states and, you know, compete. Um, I even landed a scholarship prior to having children that was going to see me in Seattle. Uh, I dedicated my life to basketball. There was nothing but the game of basketball. I lived it, breathed it, and it was the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning, and it was the last thing I thought about before I went to bed. I spent hours, you know, bettering myself, watching myself, as in in previous performances, just to get better. I'd leave the house at 7am every morning, and I'd get home at an unpredictable hour at night. There was no other commitment for me other than basketball. Now, that all changed on the 3rd of January in 2003, when I suffered eight compressed fractures in, the ver- in an accident at the Arthur Seat chairlifts. Some of you have already heard this story. I'm only going to touch on it because I could spend another three, four hours speaking about it. I was severely injured and I literally watched the basketball dream fade away as I had a long rehabilitation program in order just to restore a little bit of functionality back in my back. I was 18 at that stage and only then started to question my life's priorities. It's now 13 years on that I can actually say that perhaps this accident was an unforeseen blessing. As a result of my injuries, it required me to do extensive gym training, resistance training. It was a rehabilitation program that required me in the gym. Now we're cutting a very long story short. It's the same place I met my husband. We met in the gym. Um, had I been on that plane to Seattle, who, may, who knows, I may not have been here. I may not have come to know Christ because it was through my husband that I get to know Christ. And, yeah, so I may not have been here, may not have known him, may not have had these little blessings of my two little boys. These days, things have changed. I'm up and at the gym by five, back home, in time for the boys to wake up and have breakfast, and then I'm generally back in bed by about 9pm. I was going to write 9am, but I thought I'd better not. I try to do as much me time while the boys are asleep so that I never miss out on a moment with them. I love being their mum. I'm a hands-on kind of mother. When Josiah wants to go for a bike ride, I'm the mum that pushes him along. When Xavier's at Auskick, I'm the only mum that kicks the footy and he's generally pretty accurate, both sides of the footy. (laughs) I want my sons growing up knowing that their mother was actively involved in their lives. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to. I love that my sons worship God. They see me and their father at home worshipping and praising him, and they want to do it too. Xavier hangs to get to the front. He will ask anyone that's up the front, can I come sit at the front with you? He feels the need to be up the front because maybe he feels closer to God. Don't know. You see, I've been blessed with two two happy, healthy little boys, and my life or our lives is a whole lot richer. The only wish that we have as parents, but me as a mother, is that they grow up in the footsteps that Christ took and that they remain under his wingspan. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm not a mum. It it might uh, surprise some of you, but uh, I do look pregnant. Um, I'm not having a child. Um, that would be a miracle. 
Um, now, do we have those pictures coming up? I've got a great mum. How good are mums? Um, I, I know great mums. This is a handsome young fellow, not, not much the same. And uh, that, that is my mum there and my cat, Leo. Um, Leo was my best friend, um, still is. Um, don't, don't count Geordie in the, uh, the friendship circle. It's a little bit, little bit disappointing. But one thing with my mum is that my mum is absolutely beautiful. And she's kind of like Benjamin Button because the older she gets, the younger she looks. Um, when, you, when you look at my mum now, um, compared to then, I think, well, that's, that's definitely an older woman than the, the woman who's sitting at the front. So, which makes it good for me because when she gets old, she'll be very small and easy to, to carry around, kind of like <laughs> Benjamin Button as well as, as it shrinks, shrinks down. My mum put together a uh, book for me, which I, which I um, find very special. It's a book where it's called Mum, Mother's Memories uh, for her, her Son. I'm sorry, Mum, that I'm about to do this. But um, <laughs> um, it goes through different elements. You know, I met your father here. I um, had my first kiss here, uh, of which she complains about my dad's. Um, ability to over-talk everything. Uh, some things haven't changed. Um, and there's one thing that starts out, when I first heard about you. Um, and on my one, it doesn't say this on Enya's book, Mother's Memories for Her Daughter, over, of which it says she was overjoyed to find out about Enya. Uh, it says, when I first found out about you, I cried. I don't understand why, but I kind of do. I think it might have been a, a prophetic um, word of knowledge. <laughs> uh, she, she may have um, known uh, what, was, what she was in for there. I would have been a bit of um, a handful, to say the least. Um, there's my beautiful mum, and there's uh, the tape measure that I was using just to check my, my circumference. Another thing that uh, didn't work for me either. Um, my mum is creative. She's smart. Um, I always really admired um, hearing about her uh, journey from uh, tech school to going to Melbourne University. She's a teacher who invested in me and invested in my, my hopes and my dreams. Um, as I've already said, she's absolutely uh, beautiful and um, sh she was a teacher um, as I was growing up at Mill Park Primary School, just up the road. But we lived in a um, little house in Templestowe, the smallest house in Templestowe. Um, it was well known as the smallest house in, in Templestowe. Um, and we would drive um, to school because I went to Mill Park Primary School with her. Um, as we were driving um, along, it would be about a half an hour, half an hour drive, um, and we'd go, go up uh, the gorge or other ways. We used to stop along the way. Sometimes we'd uh, feed some horses. I don't know where those horses were, but I, I do remember getting out with a carrot and feeding the horses. My mum invested into me over that time. One of the really special memories I have of my mum is that we'd drive along holding hands and... 
uh, would have a little game that we would, we would play as we were holding hands that um, we would squeeze each other's hands, so three times for I love you, and then uh, the other person would squeeze back two for how much, and the other person then would squeeze as hard as they could to show um, how much uh, uh, they loved the other person. And I remember I used to squeeze as hard as I could, and my mum used to pretend that it was really hurting her. Probably, probably wasn't um, at all. Um, but I used to really value that because I would squeeze as hard as I could because I'm Italian. I'm a mummy's boy. That, that's a given with um, uh, Italians. That they, they love their mums with a, with a ferociousness that cannot be um, uh, matched, I think. Um, and, and I would squeeze my hardest because I loved my mum with, with no, you know, total abandon. I thought she was the best thing in the entire world, and I still do. Um, I, I think back to the, those days and, and the ways my mum must have looked at me. She must have looked at me uh, with uh, a hope, with dreams for my future, with uh, a, a total set of um, uh, the, uh, creative future, with um, wanting me to be in a uh, excellent place as I grew up, but I know that the most important thing for my mum was for me to grow up in the house of house of God, and that still is her passion for children. Knowing her as the children's pastor of this house, her passion is that children will grow up to know their Lord, to know their Saviour, and to worship Him for the rest of their lives. That's her dream. That's her passion. That was her passion for me. Now, Nick asked me to share on my perspective on Mother's Day. And that's um, something that, that gets a little bit difficult for me. I speak a lot for my, for my work. And uh, when I speak, I don't often have to uh, go into my own story too much. I can just uh, exegete uh, a passage. I can talk about the work of Destiny Rescue. And I can leave it at that without having to get too personal. But as I go into my, my own story, I, I have to, you know, as I talk about my perspective, I need to um, talk about myself and things um, that, that have happened in, in my life, which um, gets me a little bit uncomfortable, especially on days like Mother's Day. And the reason, the reason why that is, is because I know a lot of good mums. I have a great mum. Um, I have a great uh, grandmother um, uh, whom, I, whom I love as well. I, I know mothers in this church who are doing a great job and I grew up, grew up around them. Like I remember spending time at the Hendries. Um, she would put, uh, <laughs> you know, the Hendries would put up with uh, all of the youth group basically turning up at their house at bizarre times or I remember uh, leaving their house at one or two or three o'clock in the morning. I mean, um, I, I've grown up around mothers in the church and seen the great um, job uh, that they do, but I want to acknowledge that there is difficulties often for people coming to church on Mother's Day. There's things that impact people's perspective of Mother's Day that can create pain for people. You know, we can talk about uh, things like miscarriage or, or stillborn children, those things create pain on Mother's Days. We talk about things like parents who have lost a child, 
who, whose child has maybe died as an infant or as they've gotten older. We talk about things like infertility in this time. We talk about Mother's Day and there are people who sit here who have lost a mother. And some people who sit here might not have had a great experience of a mother. I know in my work with Destiny Rescue, we deal with people uh, who are in Southeast Asia and other places, but who have been sold into sexual slavery by their parents, who come from extremely abusive situations. And there are many others here who might have children who are not in the church, who, who they know to be living away from God, to be living separate uh, to this place, being critical. And that as well is a, is a thing that can cause pain for people uh, within, within the church and especially on Mother's Day and days like today. And I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that, you know, sometimes these days can be hard. These days can, can be difficult for people. And I know that was the case for me. If you don't know much about my life, I was raised in the church. I uh, grew up um, in Doncaster City Church and then moved to Yarra Plenty when I was young. I moved to Yarra Plenty uh, probably around 13 years old. Um, I didn't want to go. Um, I wanted to stay at Doncaster City Church because I liked it there until I realised there was more girls at Yarra Plenty and then it was all over there. And I became... Became very involved because, you know, that was, the, uh, that was the thing to do. I had to show that I was uh, uh, doing as much uh, stuff in church as possible to try and... Uh, it's like a peacock, you know. That's what Jordan's doing at the moment, everyone. He's, <laughs> he's getting his, his uh, pastoral peacock on um, just to try and see uh, what, what might turn up there. Um, if you're unaware, Jordan is uh, actually uh, uh, single. Um, and whilst I was at, whilst I was at um, that, that church, I met uh, a young girl. I was 14 years old. Uh, her, um, her name was Charlie, and she was someone that I fell in love with and eventually married. Um, she was someone um, who was very important to me. The first year that I was married to her at age 20, I became... Uh, the children's pastor of that church, um, and I was very involved in um, church life. And my experience of that time was overwhelmingly good. Uh, my memories of that time were absolutely fantastic. Now, I came from a big family, um, and I had overwhelmingly good experience of a big family as well. So I wanted to uh, have a family of my own as, as quickly as I, I possibly could. So within that first year of um, marriage, uh, we began trying for a child. And that kind of started a situation, a turn of events that became very negative over time. Over the seven years that uh, we were married, we had three miscarriages. Um, we went through IVF. We were infertile and it created a lot of issues within the marital situation for us. But one of the things that really happened um, for me over that period of time is I became uh, suicidal. I became highly depressed. I lost who I was in that, that period of time and my marriage ended up failing. 
Now, that was my fault that the marriage failed. I mean, I'd, I'd done a lot wrong. I had an uh, affair with a woman, and that was uh, primarily emotional. I'd done all of this stuff that had uh, caused my, my wife pain, and I thought I was doing a good thing. That's how lost I was. I thought I was doing the right thing. I'd watched my wife cry every Mother's Day, every birthday. I'd seen her weep over the, the miscarriages and the, not being able to have a baby. I thought she, I was setting her free from the pain that I had inflicted upon her. But I was so lost, I didn't realise that oh, I, I was just causing pain, not more pain for her and more pain for my family. And I think to my mum, and I think about what I must have put her through in that point of time. I remember standing in the kitchen with her, my mum, with my mum at that point of time, and she said to me, you know, what, what are you doing? Is this how a, a Christian lives their life? And I remember saying to her, a Christian, what God? And if there is a, if there is a God, I hate him. I had lost my way so far and I wonder as my mum held my little self if that is the conversation she thought she would be having with a 29, 28 year old me. But things have changed. God is a restoring God. God is a good God. I've got a good mum. A mum that I know that would have prayed and grieved with me. In Luke chapter uh, 7, there's a really great story. It's the story of uh, a funeral at Nain. Jesus had just uh, met the centurion and he was walking into this city. It says this from verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain and with his disciples and a large crowd... They went along with him as he approached the town gate. Now, uh, what, something that's interesting to kind of grab here in the scriptures, he's walking towards the town and he would have literally had to walk a road of tombs. He was walking through a, a road lined with the dead. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Woman, do not weep. Then he went up to the uh, coffin where they were ca- that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood up and said, and the bearers stood still. Jesus said to him, to him, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. There must have been an incredible pain for my mum. But I affiliate with this story here because I know that my mum, through that time, led me on a path in which I would encounter Jesus. Here in this story of of Nain, there is a, a picture that is painted. Here are people following Jesus. Here are people following uh, Christ the one who um, they, they've been watching him do all these miracles. This is actually Jesus' first miracle where he raises someone from the dead. Here, these people following life bump into a procession of death. 
These people who are following and mourning the death of someone important to, to, this, to this widow. And when Jesus bumps into a situation where there is death, he brings life. Every time in the Bible, when Jesus sees death, he brings life. And I want to say today, even though Mother's Day can hurt, even though there are things that are in people's hearts today that is holding you down, that is grieving you, maybe it is the pain of infertility, maybe it is the pain of losing a child or a mother, maybe it is a child who has turned their back on Christ just as I did. I want to say to you today, just as Jesus bumped into the coffin bearers at the gates of Nain, he can bump into your life and in your life he can raise the dead to life. Where your children may not be walking with God, keep on leading that procession to Christ because when they come to Christ, they will come home. Let me, let me tell you, I was depressed. I was dead inside. I was feeling uh, as if I, I, I had nothing to live for. I had planned, you know, to run away in whatever way that I could. I hated my life and what it had become. And I sat at a kitchen table on Mother's Day three years ago after being out at some stupid club in the city, drinking out all night, I was probably still half drunk as I got there. I had given my mum a card that they had given out at the door of the club like a real jerk. I had forgotten to even get her a gift like a jerk. And I sat there at the table as we prayed before lunch. And what do I feel in my hand? Three squeezes. Three squeezes. I love you. I love you. Only a mother can look at a son living in such a way and say, I love you. You know, in Isaiah 49, it says, could a mother forget a child that has been fed at her breast. It's such a ridiculous statement, you know. In Isaiah, it's used because it's a ridiculous statement. Of course, a mother could not forget her child. And in the same way as a mother loves her child, Isaiah says, God loves you. If he could not forget the child that has been at uh, the mother's breast, then he could not Forget you. This morning, I want to encourage people who are here today. I want to encourage you in a few different ways. I want to firstly encourage mothers here whose children are not walking with God at this point of time. Because as far as those, those people go, I'm a testament to the ability to come home, to come back. I was 
turned away. I had forgotten him. But he turns the heart of the broken back to him. Jesus sees the brokenness in life and he wants to bring people back to him. He wants to comfort the widow. He wants to comfort the mother whose child is not walking with them. If there is animosity or, or there is a, a, a division between you and your child, that is a division that Christ can reach into and heal. There is no situation that is too far gone for our God. There is no son that is too far gone for our God. There is no son that is ever too far gone for a mother's love. I am assured of that from my mum and the things that she walked through with me. And in the same way, our God will walk with people through all kinds of situations. Beyond that, if you are going through the absolute heart-wrenching pain that is miscarriage, that is child loss, that is infertility. God does not want to leave you alone. He doesn't want to leave you in that pain. He wants to reach into those broken situations, those hurting situations, those situations where you feel grief, where you feel loss, where you feel robbed, where you feel an injustice. He wants to reach into those situations in a very deep level, not just on the surface, not just with some some nice words to encourage you. He wants to reach in and heal that emotional pain. And He can. And He can. What's more? If you are suffering pain from losing a mother, he can reach in in a real way and heal that too. He can reach in and heal all kinds of situations. He can bring the dead back to life. He can reach in and help you today. And what can you do? Maybe none of these apply for you. Maybe it doesn't even play into a sphere of thinking that you would understand. Listen, the people that are walking these journeys, just like the widow walking out of Nain had people surrounding her, they need people to walk with them, to grieve with them, to pray with them, to bring their children, their pain, their grief, whatever it is, to Christ with them. And perhaps you need to join the procession of life. You need to join the procession of walking with Christ. Maybe you have been running away from joining that procession of life for too long. Maybe your mother has been trying to bring you back. Maybe it's time that you say, I'm going to walk away from the procession of death and I'm going to commit my life to the one who will reach in and heal, who loves me and who will love me unconditionally, who will reach into my sin and take it away. We need to support 
people practically. And Clarissa, that's something fantastic that you are doing with the food bank. We need to be able to look at people who are hurting and practically support them with food, with our presence, with, with a practical support of, uh, of money and whatever else it is that God leads us to do, we need to practically support people as well as praying with people, as well as spiritually supporting people. We need to have compassion on the widow ourselves. Just as Christ had compassion on that woman. We need to have compassion on people that are doing it tough. When we're walking around the church, do we have eyes to see the single mother who needs a bit of help? Do we have eyes to see the couple who are struggling through infertility? It's just like was said a few weeks ago. We need to see. We need to not just look, but we need to see. We need to not just hear, we need to listen. I am a prodigal son. I was a prodigal son who came home. And I owe a lot of that to my mum. I owe almost all of that to my mum. To someone who she probably should have kicked out of the house. Someone she probably should have cut off ties with running out to greet me as I came home instead. Aren't mothers good? Aren't mothers worth loving? Aren't mothers the thing that can change a broken life and bring them back to Christ? I know Jordan would agree. I agree. There's many other people in his house that would agree. I want to pray now. And what I want to pray for is I want to pray that where there is brokenness, where there is broken relationship, or where there's hurt, there will be wholeness, there will be newness, and there will be life. And I want to pray that the prodigals will come home. So why don't we all stand up together now? close your eyes and just lift your hands if you uh, feel you want to. Lord God, we know that you are a God who loves us. You loved us enough to send your own son and where your son goes, Lord God, we know that he brings life. So, Lord God, we thank you for our mothers. We thank you for the women who gave us life. We thank you for those who raised us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for their love. And we thank you for your love. We pray, Lord God, where there is brokenness, you would bring healing. Where there is broken relationship, you would bring, Lord God, 
a, a unity, that you, Lord God, would reach into situations that are hurting, that, that are broken, and you would heal them, Lord God. And Lord God, we pray on behalf of mothers who may have children who have walked away from this house, Lord God, on behalf of parents who have children who have turned their back on you, Lord God. We pray that you would bring the prodigals home, Lord God. Lord God, we pray that you would bring them back into this house, Lord God. We pray that where people have turned their back on you, who have, who have lived a life, Lord God, that is, that is uh, starting to hurt them, Lord God, that you would convict, Lord God, and you would bring home to your healing hand, Lord Jesus. We pray that this house would be a house of restoration. We pray, Lord God, that this house would be a house that sees children running round, Lord God, growing in your purpose, growing, Lord God, in who you have created them to be, Lord God. And that those, Lord God, who have rejected your purpose for their life, Lord God, that this would be a house of restoration for them as well. Lord God, a restoration of purpose, restoration of families, Lord God, restoration of relationships, Lord God, restoration, Lord God, of broken spirits and broken hearts, Lord God, in this house. We pray in your name, Lord God, restoration for each individual way, that thing um, that is going on in people's life, Lord God, in your holy name. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Do you know, Nathan, I just declare over you right now, man. Put your hands up, just say. I declare in the name of Jesus a fruitful new season, Lord God. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for the, the power of the testimony, Lord God, that's been shared and the humility and the openness and the transparency. But Lord, I declare a new season of victory, Lord God, of breakthrough, Lord God. Right now, Nathan, I know I've walked with you on this journey and I've seen things that other people haven't seen, but what I do see is your heart to return to God, your heart to strive after Him. And right now, we declare a new season. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, I wasn't going to finish the service like this, but I just feel that uh, it's appropriate that you might need prayer this morning. So if you need prayer, what we're going to do is we're just going to dwell here a minute longer. But Nathan and his mother, Maria, our kids' church pastor, I'd like them to pray for you. So if there's something you need just at the close of this service, please come down the front. I ask that as you're leaving to head out uh, for morning tea, that you'd just be sensitive if there's those down the front that need prayer. You know, I've been doing a parenting course. Um, uh, it's been going for nine weeks of, of 18. And one of the things that are in the course talks about honour. And one of the practical ways that you can honour a person is actually around the, the meal table. So why don't we today, as Mother's Day, why don't we let our mums and, and, our, and the, the women of our house eat first today? Let them. Why don't you go and grab something and serve them? Amen. Dear God, I just right now pray and thank you for everybody that's in this house. Lord, I thank you for mothers and the tenacity of mothers. But Lord God, I thank you that, Lord, your love, it encompasses us all. Lord, I thank you that, that you walk with that, those that are hurting, but you bring life to those situations that, that need it and that encounter you. We thank you. 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Pastor Nicholas Tazakis will be preaching uh, next week. So we know that he's a man of God with a prophetic ministry. So be ready for that. Uh, in this season, he's in this house quite a lot. So we're blessed why Pastor Nick is away to also have his covering uh, here as well. So just encourage you to be out next week and look forward to seeing you. Please come down if you need prayer and, and uh, please enjoy the morning tea together. Amen. Be blessed.